We'll begin the service today. We'll sing number 327, Sweet Hour of Prayer. thinking a little bit about that song. What a wonderful thing it is that we have the opportunity 
to go to our Lord in prayer, a time of communicating with Him. You know, we think about that a lot. We may have a close friend, and when we feel down and out, we may enjoy hearing that friend give us a call and just communicate with us. Just let us talk together and pour out our troubles that we might be able to get some encouragement from someone here upon the earth. And that's what the opportunity that we have with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ at all times, that he is a friend. He is the greatest friend that we can have here upon earth. And that we can go to him at any time and just pour out our soul to him. And he has promised that he will listen. He will hear us. So let's just put our faith and trust in him. He says, I view my home and take my flight. This robe of flesh I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize. Won't that be a wonderful thing to think about? When we're able there to drop this fleshly body and to rise spiritually then to receive that everlasting life that he has promised that he's talking about here is that everlasting prize. But it's life eternal, everlasting life that he has to give to all of his, all of those that come to him, all of those that worship him. And then he says, and shout while passing through the air. What a wonderful thing that that will be able for us to be able to see and to know that our time here upon the earth is over. Our temptations will be no more. We have fought a good fight. We have kept the faith. And henceforth there is laid up for us a crown of righteousness. That's what Paul said. He said that it was laid up for him. And he says, not only for him, but all of those that love the appearing of Jesus Christ, love the appearing of Jesus Christ in their life. It says that crown of righteousness is there, and we can know that while passing through the air, leaving this world into that eternal world, saying farewell, farewell to the things of this world, to the things of this life, because of that sweet hour of prayer, that time that we're able to communicate with him, that time that we're able to pour out our heart to him and be comforted by that new spirit, comforted by his love, by his grace that is, for, that is there and available to each and every one of us today. So let's remember these things and let's be encouraged, but also be encouraged in this, that the things that we've read, I believe it was last week and there and others recently about how he is asking for us to live our life in accordance with the way he would have it to have it to be lived, not going out and just trying to entertain this flesh in every situation that we can but being ready and willing to just lay aside the things of this world that we might gain eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That should be our goal in each and every one of us this morning.
is how and what can I do to draw closer to our Savior, Jesus Christ? How can we get closer to Him? Instead of seeing what I can do and the more and more that I can be involved in the things of the world, how can I be closer to Jesus Christ? Because that's what's going to count in the end. It's not going to count how much I've done or where all I've been or what I can see or what I have accomplished here upon this earth. Yes, there's a certain amount of those things that we have to have to have life here upon the earth to sustain that and to take care of our family. But first and foremost should be how can I draw closer to Him? And in everything that we do, letting that be what is the most important in our life and letting that shine every day that then we will be able to draw near to him and hear those words of that final day. Enter into thy kingdom, thou good and faithful servant. And we can all have that because it's a promise from Jesus Christ that he says that those that seek me well, fine. So let's be putting that first and foremost in our lives today as we go. And as we start this service today, let's put our faith and trust in Him, Jesus Christ. I think we'll read some this morning in Matthew. This will be the 18th chapter of Matthew. We'll start reading at the first verse, the 18th chapter of Matthew. At that time, Jesus came to the disciples. At that time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them. Now, there was some, maybe some controversy there in some of these men. They came to him and he says, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Christ had a word for them and he had some instructions that he wanted to give to them on that situation. And he said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want you all to remember these are words that Jesus Christ spoke to his disciples and the people that was coming around to hear his word in that day and to know how at his work was being conducted here upon the earth. And he made it very plain and clear. He said, first of all, Jesus called that little child unto him. There was a large group of people there. When they asked him who was greatest in the kingdom of heaven, he just brought a small child before them because he had something he wanted to illustrate there with that child. And I want us to all to understand how that is in our life today. And then he says, I say unto you, except you be converted. Be converted from what? Be converted from that worldly lifestyle that we had, that lust of the flesh, the pride of life, be converted from that dead spiritual life that we, were, we inherited there 
to eternal life. He says, now, except you be converted from that. And how can we be converted from that? Only by having that new birth. And he goes on and he explains some of that. He says that you shall and become as little children. Ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now that little child that he brought and he set before them was totally dependent upon its parents to be able to survive here in life. And what he is stressing to us is that we must now be converted from a sinful life unto a righteous life by having that new birth and then putting our full faith and trust in Jesus Christ and God the Father to be able to nourish us spiritually that then we will be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Because there is nothing that is defiled that's going to enter into that kingdom. So we've got to be made new. It all has, We have to be converted, he says. Because we came here in that sinful flesh. We came here with sin in us. Now that has to be taken away, converted from sinful to righteousness. And that only comes in that new birth. And that's the only way, he says. And you come as that little child. Then when we have that, we see that we know nothing of ourselves. We see that we can do nothing of ourselves spiritually and we have to put our full faith and trust in Jesus Christ, believing upon Him and putting our faith and trust that He can save us. But also, that little child must follow what his parents are asking him to do if he does not do the things that his parents tell him to do, it can cause him great trouble. He can get into great things. He can even lose his life if he does not listen to what the parent says to do, how he, how and where, and, and the dangers of the things of this world. That child could be harmed tremendously or he could actually lose his life by not listening and following the instructions of the parents. But it is the, that little child learns to trust its parents. And you take one away from it, get his, or it gets lost from its parent. What is it immediately trying to do? It is it immediately trying to find the one that, it was, that he was lost from, from its parents, its mother or its father, if it gets into a strange place. So today, if we see that something has happened and we have got off the path and we are not with the Father or with the Son now, we should be striving to get back in touch with Him. And how should that do that? In that sweet hour of prayer that we just sung about can lead us back on that road that leads to eternal life. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And that little child understands that he cannot do anything. He has to have help from his parents. And he humbles himself unto that, and he is obedient to the parents if it is a good child. And that's what he's saying, that the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever humbleth himself 
and becomes totally subjected to Jesus Christ and putting it all into his hands, he says, he is the one that will be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Offending a little one in Christ. Be careful what we say, what we do, and all things when we're around people proclaiming to be a servant of his. We don't want to do anything that would offend a child of God. We don't want to let our life be in that way, that it would offend a child of God. Whoso shall offend one of these which believe in me, he says. Now that's got to be a little one that is a child of God, he says, that believes in him. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Instead of letting that happen or something like that happen to us, he said, it would be better for you to lose your life here upon the earth. No opportunity of having your life saved if you had a millstone hung around your neck and dropped in the sea. You could not overcome that. He said it would better be better for you to lose your life in that way and not offend one of these little ones of God. Be careful what you say. Be careful what your actions are. It's what This is what he was proclaiming to the people here that he was talking to. Woe unto the world because of offenses. It must needs be that offenses come, but woe to the man by whom the offense cometh. Now there was things there that was going to be coming upon him in a very near future there. And he said there that these were things that would happen here upon the earth, and they would happen to other to his disciples even. He has warned them and told them that things would come upon them here upon the earth because they were living and preaching and teaching Jesus Christ and Him, the Son of God. But he says, Now woe unto him that the offenses come. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. Now I want us to think about what he's talking about here. Just listen to this. These are words that Jesus Christ spoke to the people in that day. This is how he wanted us to understand how important it was to get everything out of our life that would hinder us on our road to eternal life. This is how important it is. Now let's listen at this again and let's read it. Wherefore, if thy hand or foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet 
to be cast into everlasting fire. Now we think about these things as, as the natural part. And he was relating it to that so that we might understand it a little bit better. But we all understand and know that we use our hands and our feet. That is the way that we can get around. And that is the way that we can accomplish the things here upon the earth that we are wanting to accomplish each and every day. And we look upon them and we prize those things very highly, especially our hands. But he says that if something happened to that hand and it was going to create a problem there that would eventually cause the body to die. He says, cut it off. Cast it away from you. Get it away so that that whole body could live. So it is better there to enter into life not using that hand, not having that hand, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. Now he is relating those things of eternal life there. Now he's, now listen what that really means. It means that if there's anything in our life that is important to us, that just as our hands and our feet we feel like is so important, we don't want to do anything without them. What we'll do now, he says, is if there is anything that is in your life Whatever it might be that you think about is so important just as your hands or your feet. But if that is offensive to you and it, there's things there that could cause you to lose your soul because you put that first and foremost above other things, above Jesus Christ. He says, get rid of it. Don't let it be a part of your life. Doesn't matter how close it is. Doesn't matter what it is. He says it's better for you to get rid of that and go through life without it than having those pleasures and all those things here up in, on this, in this life that you're thinking about and talking about that you feel like is so important to you and be cast into hell. Understand what he's saying, friends. That it is a close work with him. And it is not something that we just go out here and we take lightly. He wanted us to understand this so much that he says to get it out of your life, depart from it. Whatever it might be, it doesn't matter how close you think it might be. If it's something that you see that can be detrimental to your eternal salvation, get away from it. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. I want you to understand how close he's talking about. There's nobody in this building that would like to lose one of their eyes. Nobody. We want to be able to see. We want to keep that there. But he's telling us there very plain and clear in another way that it does not matter what it is that is there close to you. Get it out of your life. If it 
is something that is between you and Jesus Christ. If it's something there that is hindering you on your road to eternal life, he says, depart from it. He says, it's better to go with one eye. It's better in our life to go alone than having somebody there that we might be very close to us that would lead us away from Jesus Christ. It's that serious to us in these things that he's talking about. And he says, let that be. He says, it's better to go into life with one eye than having two eyes and be cast into hell fire. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father for which is in heaven. Now, he's talking about again, I believe he's talking about those little ones, the spiritual part there. He says there that they had taken up their abode. They were part of his. And I believe that's what he's talking about. Those little ones, those that have become just as that child. He says, do not despise them. But have a love and mercy for all mankind and for those that are trusting in him that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. That's a promise, my friend. Now that's what Jesus Christ was saying here and telling his disciples, telling his followers at that time. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. Don't do anything that would harm someone on that road to eternal life. And then he says, for the Son of Man, for Jesus Christ, has come to save that which was lost. And that is each and every one of us. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, what your name is, how much you have here upon the earth. It does not matter until you repent of your sins, put your faith and trust in Him, repent of your sins, and be baptized for those remission of sins. You're lost. And you have to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and be at one with Him. There is no other way. For the Son of Man came to save that which was lost, and that's every one of us. But every one of us has that opportunity to know Him. Every one of us today has the opportunity to know Jesus Christ to be at one with Him. And if we're at one with Him, we will be at one with His people here on the earth. And let's be praying and let's begging, be begging that He will show us how we can conduct our lives, how we can encourage others, how that we can fill this seats here 
and help people to understand more and more about Him and have eternal life. He came to save those that are lost. How can we get people to understand? How can we? Let's first, we have to be certain that we understand that. And that there's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. How thank you if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? Now this is the love of God, the love of Jesus Christ. He's given another example here about a shepherd, of how that he, if he goes, and he might be out in the wilderness, out into the mountains, wherever. He's got a hundred sheep there. One of them goes astray. But he has such a care for those sheep that he is going to leave those ninety and nine there and go and find that one that has gone astray and bring him back into the fold. He's gone astray and leave the ninety. He, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which has gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. He said, I came to save the lost here in the world. I did not come for the righteous. He says, I came to save the lost. And that's what he's talking about here. That's the love that he has. That he would go and search does not matter. He will do everything he can, everything that is possible. If he knows that someone, if they can be reached, if he can find them, he will do everything that he can to do that. Now it's up to them whether or not that they accept him. It's up to them whether or not we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we decide, yes, he is our Savior and we must put our faith and trust in Him. And if so be that He find it, verily I say unto you, He rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not away. Even so, it, it is not the will of your Father. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. It's not the will of the Father, of God, that one of these little ones, one of those that become as that little child and converted, it's not His will that a one of them should perish. Think about that. When we commit to God the Father... And we have got that new birth. What happens then in our life? We are saved. As long as we want to abide with Him, as long as we stay with Him, we are there. We have the power of God to be able to overcome anything here upon the earth. We've got that power. Because that's what He has promised to us. It's the will of God, the will of your Father, which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should not perish. It is not the will of the Father. 
that they should perish. That's his love. He wants to see everyone here today or under the sound of my voice, whoever it might be, it is his will that they be saved. Is it our will that we want to accept him? That's the part that we need to understand. Is it our will that we want to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and be at one with him? Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, Thou hast gained thy brother. And this is a way that we should continue and we should act with one another. Be careful of what we do. We don't ever want to be involved in going around and gossiping about anything. He just says, if your brother trespasses against you, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Spelling it out very plain of how that we should conduct ourselves with brothers or sisters in, in his kingdom here upon the earth. And also the how that his church needs to be cleaned. And we need to be looking at our own individual self. Right at me, right at you, ourselves. And let's see where we stand. I don't want to be in a condition there. I want to be able to hear a brother. I want to be able to hear a sister. I want to be able to hear the words of the church. I want to be able to hear, first of all, most of all, the words of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and let Him write His words in my mind and in my heart to put it there so that I can listen to Him and let that Spirit direct me in everything that I say and I do. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. These are words that Jesus Christ has written. He has told the people and had written for us to be able to hear and to have confidence in. And if there's things here that agrees with him, and the way I look at that, he says, if there is two that are there and they agree upon earth as touching anything that they shall ask. And I believe that he's talking about there, agree upon earth 
spiritually of the things here that he would have to be done, he would have us to agree upon. He said, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Now, I don't believe that if we, he, two of us get together and agree on some worldly something or whatever, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about two or three or whatever it might be, being together and agreeing here upon the earth and under his spirit, under his word, he says, then it shall be done unto them. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And I believe when he's talking about gathered together in his name, that is truly in his name. That is truly putting their faith and trust in him. There's lots of people that can go out. There's people even say all manner of things that they'll go and they'll do this in the name of Jesus but not following him. And he's not talking about, he's talking about things here that we must put our faith and trust where two or three are gathered together in my name with his spirit dwelling within them is the way I look at that. There am I in the midst of them. And when he is in the midst of them, that work will stand. And I know that I have seen his work here upon the earth and how his work will stand if we put our faith in it. And if we rely upon him, it will stand. And we can see victory. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Now, Peter had some question here. He says, now, you've said all these things and you've told us what we should do. Now, if my brother comes and he sins against me, he does things against me, and I forgive him, how often should I do that? And that may be in some people's lives today, in some people's minds. How often should I forgive should a brother, if he comes and he does something against me, and I want us to listen carefully to what our Lord had to give to him, what our Lord said to him. And Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seven times seventy. Peter used that number. Just forgive him seven times. What did then Jesus say, I say not unto you until seven times, but until 70 times seven, meaning however many it might be. I don't believe that he just meant there that 490, that would be seven times 70. I don't believe that if he said there that to go out and if he did it 491, don't forgive him after that. That was not what he was meaning at all. He was just meaning to always forgive. Doesn't matter when, what, whenever. If someone does something wrong to you and comes and asks forgiveness, 
You, it is your duty to forgive. And he gives some examples here, some things there. And I want us to listen carefully to what he, what he had to say in it about that. Because every one of us that has been able to receive that new birth today has been forgiven of the greatest debt that you could ever owe. It doesn't matter if you owed millions of dollars here upon the earth. That would not be a greater debt than that sin that you were born with. But there is one, Jesus Christ, that will take that away. That great debt, He paid for it on the cross. He paid for it with His life. He paid for it. How He lived here upon the earth. And He overcame all things so that you and I today can have that new spirit, have that new birth. How that we can now have that eternal life abiding in us. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king which would take account of his servants. Now he's going to explain some of that about how much and what all we should how we should forgive. He says, now here, this king, would like, he would take an account of his servants. Let's say that he was a, a manager or owner of some big company, and he decided, now I'm going to go to all my managers and I'm going to take account of them and see what goes on, what has been taking place and, and what is happening there. And when he had begun to reckon one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Now here was a man that undoubtedly, as he was working there for him, he had borrowed and borrowed and borrowed from this man, this king. Have you ever looked and thought about how much 10,000 talents really is? a tremendous amount would be in the millions of dollars of what this man owed but for as much as he had not to pay his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made and he deserved that he had bought and he had borrowed all this and he had not used it properly. And his king there commanded to sell him his wife and his children and all that he had and get payment for all that he owed him. And I want us to think about what we owed God the Father and Jesus Christ. As I just said a moment ago, we owed, just like this man, a tremendous amount. Tremendous. So much so, there was absolutely no way under this sun, that under the natural sun, there's a way under the sun, Jesus Christ, that we could pay that or we could have it removed, that debt. We couldn't pay it. But Jesus Christ died and He paid it for us. 
We owed just like this man. We owed that tremendous debt. And we were doomed to hell because of it. We could not pay it. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And that's where you and I come in and with this same thing here. We, when we see and know how undone that we are and we see and realize that we are lost and there is not one thing that you and I can do about it, then what do we have? We've got the opportunity to flee to our Lord, to our Master. Just as this man did. He fell down and worshipped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And that's where you and I now, spiritually, we've got to fall down to him and put it all into his hands and say, forgive me. I am a sinner. I must trust in you to remove that debt. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. It is the will of God that all men be saved. Flee to him. He had compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. And that's what will happen to each and every one of us when we truly repent when we truly put our faith and trust in Him and get all out of this, get this life and all the worldly things out. He was moved with compassion. He will be moved with compassion with you and me. God will. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence and he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. Now here, the, now he's telling and he's explaining there about that forgiveness and how that we have been forgiven that great debt and how frivolous it is if someone here upon this earth does something, to, something wrong to us. How frivolous that is compared to that debt that we have just been forgiven, that spiritual part. And he wants us to understand. Now here, we were just forgiven, as I said, the greatest debt that we could ever have. This man was just forgiven this debt of millions. And here this man comes out with a owed him a hundred pence, and he laid his hands on him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. He's just been forgiven this huge amount. And here this little bit, I believe I've read where this would be like one millionth of what he had just been forgiven. And we think about some frivolous something that somebody may have done to us and we are holding hostage, them hostage over it. When God forgave us the greatest debt that you could ever owe, 
And this is why he wanted us to see and understand how unjust that men are and how just God is. But if we don't follow God, even after we have repented and have forgiven for us, we can go back into that house that we came out of. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. This is what he had done. And he had got that debt taken away. And he would not. Now this is where he's talking to Peter there. He says, not just seven times, Peter, but you forgive on and on and on, whatever it might be but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Can you imagine that? Yes, I can. I can imagine that because of I know that we are human. I know that if we don't allow that spirit to be strong within us, this can be right in our mind even after we have received that great forgiveness from Him that we will be holding somebody hostage because of some little minor thing that they have done to us. We will have our feelings hurt and all feel so that somebody has done me so wrong I just can't get over it. When that great debt's been paid from you. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison until he should pay the debt. So went his fellow servants, so when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. The Lord knew what was taking place. His servants came and told him. God understands and knows what's in your heart today. And he knows whether you are willing to forgive and you have forgiven. He understands all of those things. And his, <clears throat> and his fellow servants saw what was done. They were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that had been done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant. I don't ever want to hear that. This is after God, this is after the Lord had forgiven this man. Oh, thou wicked servant. He had no compassion. He did not have that charity in him. And that charity is what we must all have. Doesn't matter who it is, but we must all have that and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told their Lord, what was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? 
Shouldest you not have compassion on thy fellow servant? Even as I had pity on thee. And we need to keep in mind of how much we have been forgiven and be quick to forgive. Don't let these things slip. And his Lord was wroth with and delivered him unto the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Isn't that a bad thing to think about? And that can happen spiritually with us. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. He just brought it out and he gave that parable and now in the end he just says, this is what will happen. He says, so likewise will my heavenly Father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. And what will it hurt us to forgive? Get it out of your life. Get it out of your heart. He says, forgive from your heart. What happens is it just stays in there and it just boils and boils. And it keeps just there just destroying you from within. Forgive and move on. Get it out. See victory. Don't let Satan just keep it in there and just keep it... Balling, and every time you see that person or whatever, you have hatred in your heart. You can't have that. You got to forgive. Doesn't matter how bad they have wronged you, doesn't matter what they have done, forgive them. Look at what I'm reminded of what Jesus Christ said on the cross, and I want you to think about. Jesus had been here upon the earth. He had taught the people. He had told them all about how they could have eternal life. He had such great love for them. He had done all these things. He had healed their sick. He had cast out devils from them. All manner of things that He had done here to help people here upon the earth. And they rejected Him. Then they took him and had a cruel mockery of a trial. Mocking him. Look at his integrity, how they were destroying his integrity. And how they were calling him all sorts of names and telling him to do all kind of things that he knew that if it was necessary, he could call for 10,000 angels to come and destroy these people. But that was not why He came here. He came here that we can have life. And then He was beaten severely, almost to the point of death. Then He was taken out and nailed to a cross. 
All of these things was done against Jesus Christ. And what was His words on the cross? Father, forgive them not. They know not what they do. That's the Spirit. That's His power, the power of God. He can do that. That's what He is telling us, that we have to have that same mind, that same thing. It doesn't matter. We will never, I don't believe, I know we will never be have any more brought upon us than what Jesus Christ had brought upon Him. I know that. And He was able to forgive. So I know that there's nothing that can come upon us more stringent than that. And we can have the same power over this body and over sin that He had. The power of God. If we truly put our trust in Him. We can overcome. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do unto you if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. And I want you to remember from the heart Jesus Christ was standing on that, was hanging on that cross. And he was right there, the one there beside him, repented. And Jesus, his sins were forgiven. And he says, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. That's the love that he had. And that's the love that he's telling us that we must have. Faith in Jesus Christ. Hope of eternal life. Charity. That pure love for God the Father and all of men above all other things here upon the earth. And the only way that we can have that is in that new birth. Then we receive that charity from God, that new spirit, and we go over that and over it and over it, and I want you to all understand that there is no way that you can enter into the kingdom of heaven but through Jesus Christ and accepting Him and being at one with Him here upon the earth. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these things, He departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed Him, and He healed them there. And I beg and I pray, and I want each and every one of us all to be begging and praying that people would see and understand and great multitudes be able to follow Him. Be able to see and know that He is the Savior. And let's encourage them to follow Him. Not man, but follow Him. Then the Pharisees came unto Him, tempting Him and saying unto Him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And here they just, everywhere they went, basically these people these that felt in their righteousness, in their law of their own, 
They had certain things that they wanted to try to trap Jesus in. And he says now, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Is it off? Is it okay to just get a wife and then divorce her and get another one or whatever for every cause, for whatever it might be? And he answered and said unto him, now this is words of Jesus. Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Again, remember, look around throughout the world today and look how this is being tried to be cast down, to try to be shown that this is not the truth, that this is not the facts. This is the words of Jesus Christ. And I believe Him. He was there with His Father. Have you not read that He which made them at the beginning made them male and female? He made man, and then He made female. And He made her out of a rib that He took from Adam there. Male and female. And He said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one. That is the way that God has set up His family to be here upon the earth. That is how He set up for man, male and female, to live together and to be a family. Cleave, man cleave unto his wife, and they, once, they twain then shall be one. He didn't say man and man or woman and woman. He says, male and female, man and wife. These are the words of God. Do not let anybody try to convince you of anything different. And young people, old, whoever you might be, wherever, it is rampant throughout the world today of trying to... Satan is doing nothing more but trying to have people to believe that there is something different, that God did not create this this way, that He created love. And it doesn't matter how you love. That is just a lie from hell, that He created male and female. And where they are no more twain but one flesh, what therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Now this is what Jesus was saying unto them in that day. And this is how that we should live our lives today. Man has turned it all around in so many different instances. He has gotten away from the Word of how Jesus and how God created these things in the very beginning. They say unto Him, why did Moses them to command, to command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? He said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Just because of the hardness of their hearts. And that's the way it would be today. Because of the hardness, because of their heart, because of man, lust, after someone else or or the woman's lust after someone else or whatever of them going after and putting away their husband or their wife. But from the beginning, it was not so, he said. He wanted to make that very plain. 
And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whosoever marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. He makes it very plain and clear to me on that portion there of what he says. There is only one ex- way or one reason to even to put away the wife or the husband there. His disciples saith unto him, If the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. They looked upon it and they said, How can people live in that way? This thing of, of going after men and women and not being true, that has been going on since the beginning of time, basically. All the way along. And his disciples there, some of them just looked at it and say, if that's the case with a man with his wife, it's not good to even marry. But he said unto them, all men cannot receive this saying, say they, to whom it is given. For there be some eunuchs which were born of their mother's womb, and there be some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. And these things here, I believe there, the way I'll interpret those things there is, yes, there are all kinds of people here upon the earth, male and female. But they can have power over that body. Paul speaks of it in in some of his writings there, that we should have power over our vessel here upon the earth, and we should use that to the honor and glory of God, not but through the lust of the flesh. But he that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Hear the word of God. Receive it in our heart. Live by it. And put our faith and trust in it. Then were there, then were there brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked him. Here they were bringing little children. And I think it's a wonderful thing that we bring little children with us to hear the word. Now we all should be sure that we train those little children from a very early age how to conduct themselves while they are here in church or wherever it might be that they are in an assembly there with people and with the word of the Lord being spoken. But he says there, and there were people there that, and we see and hear churches today that will tell people, don't bring your little ones into the, into the service. But I would welcome you to bring them in. And yes, I understand that there may be a little noise occasionally because of those things. But let's try to always keep those things to a minimum. But we should always be thinking of what we can do to bring our little ones and to teach them and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Suffer the little children and forbid them not to come unto me 
For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. And again, this kind of goes back there to what we read about earlier. That his kingdom is that we must become as that little child dependent on Jesus Christ as a child is dependent upon their parents. We must be that way also. And they say unto him, I'm sorry, I read that. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. And behold, one came unto him and said, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And we've heard a lot about that here recently. If we're going to enter into eternal life, is what he said, do the things that I say and live in accordance with how I would have you to live. And he saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He just told him several things there that went back to the law, things that we read about, I believe, last Sunday. This was what he was talking about right here. He was just bringing this back. Now don't live in these things. And the young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Now, he was very self-righteous in himself. He wanted to hear what Jesus had to say, maybe, and to tell him, well, if you've done these things from your youth up, well, that's good. Continue on in them. But Jesus didn't tell him that. Jesus said unto him, If thou will be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now that can be in our life today. What is hindering you from accepting Jesus Christ? What's it hindering you from having eternal life? This young man wanted to know what he could do to have eternal life. Jesus spelled out some of the things and he said, yes, I have been living in that manner. He says, keep my commandments. Which ones? But then Jesus went on and he told him something else. And we may be living, you might be living a good moral life. But are you willing to put your life into his hands and to let him then direct you from now on? That's what Jesus was telling this man. Here, get rid of all your worldly things that you worship. And that's in each and every one of us today. He's telling us, get rid of all the worldly things that you worship. That you put above Him. And He went away sorrowful because He had great possessions. Are you going away sorrowful today because there's things in your life that you don't want to lay down even though you know that you should? But is there things that is still there? If there's not, that is wonderful. 
Let's be at one with Him. And let's get them out. And let's see victory in Jesus Christ. Let's don't be as this young man and go away very sorrowful because he had great possessions. And are these worldly things great possessions in your life? Don't you want to get rid of it? Don't you want eternal life? Let's hear His Word. And let's follow Him. And let's encourage one another. And let's see victory. We'll bring this meeting to a close. We'll sing number 341. Work. For the night is coming. Number 341. about that.
that work for the night is coming, work for that day of reckoning is coming. Work in the glowing sun. And that glowing sun is being laid out for us about as plain and pure as it can be laid out. And if we reject that, man's work will be over at some point. And eternal damnation awaits those that reject it. But eternal life awaits those that is working all the way and works until the daylight is even fading in their latter days. They're working, they're walking with Jesus Christ. Work while the night is darkening. When man's work is done, let us pray. To God the Father, we thank you for the wonderful words of exhortation that you have had and that your son spoke while he was here upon the earth. And it has been recorded that we can read and we can understand and we can know what you'd have for us to do here upon the earth. But most of all, we know that we must accept Jesus Christ and put our faith and trust there. And I know that we can see victory. And I know that we can have power over this flesh and over the things of the world. And be ready to give them up whatever it might be, God. We ask that you lead God and direct us. Fill us with your spirit, your love, your mercy. And we thank you for that. And we ask you to be with those that are struggling today, Lord. To open their heart. And show us what we can do to encourage them. And how we can encourage others. And God, if there is a way that we can bring great revival to this land, let it show us how. We ask these things all in Jesus' name. Amen.